You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled Risk-Free Chargeback Management, featuring experts from Chargebacks 911 and ClearSale. Okay, we're going to get started here. <clears throat> Um, welcome everyone to the webinar. I want to thank everyone for taking their time to join us today. My name is Jared Wright. I'm the marketing director at Chargebacks 911. Also presenting today is Rafael Lorenko. Uh, he is the executive vice president at ClearSale. Um, thank you for joining us today, Rafael. Thank you, Jared. I'm glad to have the chance to speak to the audience. Yeah, and we're really glad to have you. Um, also with us today is Nate Foss, who is our VP of Partner Relations. Um, Nate is here to back me up and help me answer some of the more technical questions that were submitted uh, when, when people signed up. Um, so thanks for all your help today, Nate. Thanks, Jared. Happy to be here. Okay, great. Now, before I get started, I just want to go over how this webinar will be structured. If you haven't uh, attended a webinar from us before, um, the first part of the webinar will include a short presentation from myself and from Raphael. Um, this portion of the webinar will be fairly visual, so it's important that if possible, you close other, other windows and give us your undivided attention. The second portion of the webinar will be a Q&A where we answer many of the questions that were submitted. This portion will be less visual, so if you want, at that point, you can just listen. Please feel free to submit any questions that you have during the webinar. We promise to answer any questions submitted, if not live, then by email after the webinar. Lastly, um, the webinar will be available for replay starting tomorrow. Um, not all of the Q&A portion will be included in that recording, however. Uh, we encourage you to stay with us today so you get the maximum value out of this event. Okay, so. Hold on just a second. I've been hosting these webinars for a while, and it recently occurred to me that I may be missing on a great opportunity, um, getting the chance to speak with all different types of industry experts, uh, but I wasn't necessarily asking them the questions that I really wanted to know. <clears throat> so I've decided to start each of these webinars by asking a dumb question. Uh, this might just be for me, Um, but I'm also hoping that some attendees might be wondering the same thing. So my dumb question today is, what exactly is chargeback insurance? Or I think, Raphael, as you prefer, uh, guaranteed coverage. Um, because when I hear these terms, I, I think of, you know, maybe something that it's not, um, something like car insurance. Uh, so, so Raphael, what, what is uh, this guaranteed coverage and how does it work? And, um, and can you just tell us a little bit about it? I'm I'm really curious. Of course, of course. So I think the the, the big idea here that differs an insurance from a guarantee and what this term has been utilized for in the fraud prevention space is uh, really the difference between um, assessing the risk of someone someone or something, just like an insurance, and then being receptive, passive, into waiting for the the happening or not something you're uh, preventing from, just like a health insurance in, in which the health uh, 
healthcare institutions, they won't help you have a better health or anything. Versus when it comes to fraud prevention and chargeback uh, prevention, um, a company that will help you uh, mitigate the chance of happening such a thing. So I'd say that the guarantee stands for something in which not only they will reimburse you if some, something of that nature happens, uh, but also help you prevent from that happening, which is different from a regular insurance, a car insurance or healthcare, anything of that nature. Okay, and is it is it is it primarily um, uh, guarantee or coverage for criminal fraud chargebacks, or do, do you do you make any sort of delineation between the different types of chargebacks? Well, that will vary according to the supplier, right? So I can tell about ClearSale. What we do at ClearSale is we cover um, any type of fraudulent chargebacks, meaning it will include friendly fraud, fraud and criminal fraud. But any other type of chargeback is not covered by such a, a, a solution just because like the prevention way of the, the way of preventing that is different from one type to charge back to the other. So in case of clear sale, we will uh, reimburse and guarantee the fraudulent one. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Um... So that leads me into the next slide, which sort of envisions chargeback management as a two-part process. Um, so the pre-transaction mitigation, which generally falls under clear sales domain um, with their guaranteed coverage for fraud chargebacks um, and post-transaction mitigation, which generally falls under chargebacks 911's domain. Um, Chargebacks 911 has an ROI and performance guarantee solution as well. Um, and I think Nate will probably talk about that at some point a little bit later in the webinar. Um, in the title of the webinar, we talk about risk-free solutions. And what that references essentially is that both ClearSale and Chargebacks 911 have a guarantee as part of our solution. Um, this helps alleviate some of the unpredictability and risk for merchants. But the real problem, as I'm sure many of you are aware, isn't just risk. It's with understanding and diagnosing the causes of chargebacks. The previous slide sort of imagined that you know where chargebacks are coming from, but that's not really how it works. In reality, uh, chargeback management is a lot more like this slide. Um, chargebacks are essentially just the symptom and not always one that has an obvious treatment. A concept that I've talked about before, um, and it can be simply stated as chargeback management is simple. It's understanding the sources of your chargebacks that is hard. And, and I know when I say that, that a lot of you are thinking there's nothing simple about chargeback management. If there was, I wouldn't be sitting through a boring webinar. Um, but what I'm suggesting is that most of the complexities come from misunderstanding what is causing your chargebacks. So, so let me tease this apart a little bit and see, see if I can explain. Um, in this next slide, I'm gonna address an elephant in the room. Um, a stat that we cite all the time is that 86% of chargebacks are caused by friendly fraud. Um, we often get a little pushback on that stat. Most merchants think it seems a little high. Um, and while I stand by this number, I also understand that Raphael probably has given presentations that included a slide that said something like 86% of chargebacks are caused by criminal fraud. Um, so I want to elaborate on this number and see if we can build some consensus. 
Um, so first, let me change the statement to, um, oh, sorry. 86% of your chargebacks should be caused by friendly fraud. Um, it's the good work that companies like ClearSale are doing that make this stat possible. Um, by, by addressing criminal fraud, reducing criminal fraud, identifying criminal fraud, um, uh, it, it, it makes it much more likely that the chargebacks that you're left dealing with are caused by friendly fraud. Now, even, even with that understanding, I'm sure to some of you that number still looks a little high. So let me dive a little bit deeper and address another misconception. Um, in order to talk about this, first let's um, uh, take all of those chargeback factors that I talked about earlier and divide them into three buckets, criminal fraud, merchant error, and friendly fraud. And uh, for now, let's get rid of criminal fraud. Uh, Raphael's got a lot that he can say on, on that bucket. And uh, let's just look at the, the merchant error and the friendly fraud. Um, what I propose is that the buckets in your business actually look more like this. Um, now, how do I know this? Uh, not because anything, because I know anything about your business, but because most merchants have too narrow a definition of what friendly fraud is. Um, when I'm explaining what I do to friends and family, I say something like, friendly fraud is something that when someone calls their bank and files a chargeback in an effort to get something for free. It's a simple way to think about friendly fraud, right? It's, you know, the, the, the customer, you know, trying to cyber shoplift, um, you know, they're lying and they're, they're trying to get something for free. Um, that definition is, is convenient and it's a clean definition and it's not altogether wrong, but it only actually describes a small fraction of actual friendly fraud. Most chargebacks contain some element of merchant error and some element of friendly fraud. Um, so let's rename the extreme cases, merchant fraud and chargeback fraud and say that everything else falls somewhere in between. Um, all chargebacks on the left of the spectrum are preventable. Merchants can make changes to reduce this type of chargeback. All chargebacks on the right side of the spectrum are re representable. The merchant will likely win a properly documented dispute. Now, here's the important part. There's a large area in the middle where both the merchant and the consumer share some of the responsibility. What is important to understand is that all of the yellow and all of the orange, all of the, um, the, the spectrum underneath the brackets that say uh, representable chargebacks, all of that is friendly fraud. It's not just the stuff over on the far right-hand side. Um, just because a merchant shipped some sneakers late does not mean that the customer is entitled to free shoes. We encourage merchants to do everything they can to reduce mistakes, but unless they are willing to dispute all friendly fraud chargebacks, customers are gonna to continue to misuse this mechanism. So here's the simple part. This is what an effective chargeback management plan looks like. Once you understand what's behind your chargebacks, it's easy to implement the, the uh, three-step process to address them, right? Work with ClearSale. Uh, reduce criminal fraud, right? Uh, conduct an in-house audit, remedy the merchant error, things that you're doing that are increasing your chargeback liability. And step three is dispute friendly fraud. Once you've passed through step one and step two effectively, then the majority of your chargebacks are gonna be friendly fraud chargebacks. And then it, it becomes very easy to identify and dispute uh, 
and and have a uh, rebuttal strategy to 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 deal with those chargebacks. Chargeback management is simple. Understanding the sources of your chargebacks is what is hard. Okay, with that, I'm going to pass it over to uh, Raphael. Um, he's gonna he's got the criminal bucket, and he's going to kind of take things from here. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Jared. Um, I'm going to try to spend not too much time here so that we can spend more time with the questions and answers. But at the same time, I'll try to address some of the buzzwords and the concepts that have been said and, and written about uh, when it comes to preventing fraud, especially preventing chargebacks in the criminal fraud bucket, as we've been saying. So if we could go to the next slide, Jared, I think you're still managing that. So the question that you guys might be making, or perhaps you have already a, a clue of the of the answer for that, is whether or not there's a difference between managing chargebacks and preventing from them. And the answer is quite simple. Um, they are not the same thing. And they, even though both of them work on the favor of reducing some of your the costs that are inherent to be selling uh, online with cards not present. Uh, um, credit card not present, then both of them are necessary and, and they have complementary uh, complementar, uh, actions, right? Complementar, they complement each other addressing uh, the chargeback issue that will both affect your uh, costs and revenue, right? So we at ClearSale believe in a, in a multi-layered approach, right? So that's why we partner with companies like Chargeback 901 when it comes to the friendly fraud. That's why we don't have a still, we don't believe in a silver bullet that will solve all your problems in, in chargeback, even when it comes to the criminal bucket of chargebacks. So I'm not going to go into details of each of the different ways and sources of criminal fraud, but I want to tell you guys that we have this additional layer even within the um, criminal bucket of chargebacks. You also have different sources of uh, or different processes that led to may lead you to a chargeback. So um, those six here are listed here, but they are not exhaustive. There will be other types of chargebacks and other types of crimes. But mentioning the difference, for example, between the triangulation fraud and the card validation and testing, the card validation and testing is when um, uh, a fraudster or a, a group of fraudsters um, they have advantage. They take advantage from a, a data breach or anything of that nature, in which they have access to a bunch of credit card numbers, and they will try uh, to test those numbers and those uh, items and those um, on, on, and those numbers into a certain merchant, right? So they will rather choose one of the less risky uh, merchants, and we've seen chargebacks of this kind in even in donations. So clearly, they don't want to. They don't want to have the product or the service behind, but they actually want to try the credit card numbers and the data, personal data of people involved, so that they can, you know, have make sure they are use, utilizing a credit card that works, and go ahead and go to another merchant that perhaps has something has something that they really want to. While the triangulation fraud is a completely different type of uh, scenario in which 
the, the criminals, they will build a, a fake website that will be selling uh, the merchandises or services that are, uh, an actual merchant does, and they will resell it under a much smaller price. So that when they can, when they have the data from the consumer, they have the regular data, they will utilize a stolen credit card in, in your merchant, in a, in, a, in a valid merchant, and that's why that's a triangle, right? So the, the consumer is, is buying in a different store, but actually the product or the service is gonna come from your merchant uh, account, and that's, the, that's where the fraud comes. So when you look at uh, su such a different aspect and such two, two different scenarios like those two that I described, you know that you have to address them differently uh, from each other, right? So that's where the machine learning, uh, machine learning takes place. So the role of machine learning is understanding these different patterns and addressing them accordingly. Um, but then the question that may, might come is, um, is machine learning able to solve these problems by itself? And that's why um, I wanna uh, make some comments here. So a lot of, uh, as, as I said before, when you're talking about fraud prevention, you're not only talking about preventing and, and reducing cost with chargeback, but you're actually talking about uh, blocking some of the orders to avoid the chargebacks from happening. So basically there's only one way, when a fraud attempt is there, there's only one way of stopping it that is blocking the order from happening. But you never know if the order that you are blocking is or is not a fraud attempt. You have good evidence, but you never know for sure 100% of the orders you are declining were, you're, you're declining were actually uh, fraud attempts. So that's why I want to highlight the fact that um, blocking more and more orders is not the, 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 regular, the, 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 right, the right thing to do, right? So the harder is better approach uh, not necessarily will um, avoid all of your chargebacks, and on top of that, will eventually increase your uh, false decline. So what a false decline is, is the, the number of orders among the ones that you blocked that were actually good orders. So there, there were orders that you should be approved, you should have, have approved, but actually you declined. So in that matters, I want to highlight the graph from the center of, of, the, of the slide for those who are, who are looking at this, um, in which, yes, the fraud and the, charge, the criminal chargeback fraud problem is uh, huge in the United States and is a problem of $9 billion a year. But if you look at the, um, the actual, uh, the money lost by merchants because, because of uh, false declines, it's actually, uh, 10 times bigger. So 100 billion plus dollars are being lo lost lo uh, because of uh, conservative, perhaps uh, I can say that conservative fraud filters and strategies. And beyond the fact that you're losing a certain uh, particular order, um, the, the revenue coming from this particular order when we were making a wrong decision uh, for each of the orders, you also have the, all the lifetime value of this customer. And the reason why I say that is, uh, if you look at the Javelin um, uh, statement on your right, you'll see that 30, more than 30% of the consumers report that they won't buy again in the term merchant if they are declined. And another 30% will say they will, they will at least reduce 
their activity in this particular merchant. So you're not losing only the transaction itself, but obviously, uh, but also potentially you are losing the future transactions of the same person. Well, um, the machine learning is is the tool that ClearSail utilizes, combined with human review, uh, for mitigating those processes. Right. So I want to just spend one minute or less here trying to um, um, explain a little bit more about what should what is machine learning. So in the end of the day, this is uh, um, artificial intelligence and um, techniques that kind of predict and set up a risk score, for instance, for each of the orders, they, they exist for a long time. What differs uh, the machine learning algorithms from the traditional ones is how fast they learn, how fast they adapt to the new patterns. So you're gonna have a data set and you're gonna have the patterns coming from the chargebacks that a merchant is, uh, a merchant or a set of, uh, of merchants are experiencing. And then you're going to have the chance of uh, adapt to the new patterns, to the new patterns, to the new strategy of, uh, strategies of the of the fraudsters. And the reason why I brought this up is because one, the importance of uh, notifying uh, the chargeback information into your uh, and circling back the chargeback information back to your system, back to your fraud prevention and chargeback management systems. And then you have multiple ways of doing that. And two, to understand that if you start declining all the orders that you that you think that are suspicious, your uh, algorithms are going to learn. Uh, they have to learn, right? So they have to understand which orders are uh, good and which orders are bad. And if you decline 100% of the orders that you find that's risky, instead of giving a manner review, a human touch to this, then your algorithms are going to learn uh, that they are right because you are saying that the orders that they uh, flag as risky are the bad orders. Clear sales approach is different in a way that we do not decline any order based on the machine learning. So the machine learning, the fraud score is, is responsible for approving uh, more than 90% of the orders, but the orders that are flagged then as risky, then we put a human review on this process so that we can have our machine learning uh, the most accurate as we can. So that way, not declining automatically, and that's something that perhaps tells us apart from any other player in the in the industry, you can talk about reducing the friction of the purchasing process. So many people, and I'm glad to have Jared here um, that, that is in the marketing side, because people in usually when talking about fraud prevention, they got very so excited with the new technologies that they don't realize that sometimes they are going in the wrong direction in a way that uh, the marketing people are trying to make the process as simple as they can, while we in the fraud prevention sometimes have this wonderful idea of asking the consumer for document copies, uh, SMS tokens, or, or taking a selfie biometry and stuff like that, and we don't realize how important it is to the salespeople and to the, the, to the merchant businesses that um, the fraud prevention process is as seamless as possible. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree that it is, it is very easy to, to you know, try to try to solve a, uh, a criminal fraud problem and and really add a lot of friction into your checkout process. Um, and that's and that's something that 
you know, all merchants struggle with, um, both the false declines and the added friction. Um, so, all right. So I've, that's those are the presentations. Um, now we have some questions that were submitted, and uh, so now now it's the fun part. We're going to go through these questions and uh, do our best to provide answers uh, for you guys. We appreciate you sticking it out with us, and um, hopefully there'll be some uh, some gems in here that you can take back and implement in your business. <clears throat> okay, the first one uh, was how to best stop charge fraud uh, stop fraud in the checkout process. You, you kind of talked about this a little bit, I, I feel, Raphael, but do you want to elaborate a little more on on what your personal philosophy is with this? Yeah, sure. So I like this this question came. I, I like that this question came up because that's part of what I just said a few minutes before. So my opinion and my person and, and Clearfield's approach to the to the fraud, fraud prevention issue is a little different than perhaps the traditional payment gateways and and the traditional fraud prevention tools out there will offer to the merchants. So in our in our opinion, one you shouldn't put the the the, the filters. On, on your shop on, on your shop checkout process because you don't want another second or another couple of seconds in this process that is already uh, a very sensitive process uh, uh, technology uh, technologically speaking. The second thing is, as I said, we do not offer we do not operate with any um, any uh, auto decline filters. So it's not just because the AVS is not matching or not just because uh, the IP is a proxy that is. Uh, that we are talking about a fraudulent order. So just taking it as an example, the the thing with um, the thing with the the AVS, even in the worst response response from AVS, that's the address verification uh, system by by Visa. Even in the worst response that says that not matching at all the the billing address with this credit card, uh, even in this in, in this in this situations, the fraud rate and the chargeback rate among those orders is around 40%. So 40% is, is a lot, right? So it's a lot of, there is a lot of fraudulent orders among the ones that comes with the Z response from the AVS. But you can, you can look at it from another perspective and realize that there's still 60% of good orders on those. And if you decide to stop those orders in your checkout process, then you are potentially losing 60% of those orders. So I, I think by this example, I can make I can make clear at least uh, our approach and our belief um, to answer this question. So my my simple my simple answer to this question is you shouldn't you shouldn't decline any order based on the checkout. You should wait a little bit and make your process and your um, and the whole thing your your you you build as a as a fraud prevention strategy for your merchant and not make it so hard as uh, computers on the checkout. Okay. All right. The next question was, how can a customer file a chargeback if they received the product? Um, and someone else asked a similar question that, you know, how can someone uh, claim that a charge was unauthorized when I know that it was an authorized charge? Um, Nate, we were just talking about this today. Do, what, um, why does this happen, Nate? Um, it's it's basically there's there's just a lack of data um, at the origination of chargeback. So when the cardholder goes to their issuing bank to file a chargeback, the issuing bank doesn't have the you know proof of delivery 
or any of the CRM data. So it's really just a lack of data. Uh, there has been some recent changes with uh, Visa Claims Resolution and VMPI, which has, um, has attributed to a reduction in chargebacks. And basically what that is is a vers uh, Visa Merchant Purchase Inquiry, which is where the issuer through an API can receive some merchant data at the point of chargeback to help mitigate some claims, or at least just remind the cardholder that, hey, maybe this descriptor um, was done on this phone, or um, you know, just some, some things to, um, to mitigate chargebacks. Yeah, well, I think, you know, th this goes back a little bit to the, to the slide I had in the beginning that was about um, identifying the sources of your chargebacks. Because I, because I think, you know, you'll find out pretty quick if you if you dive uh, pretty deep into this is the um, the reason code that comes back from the bank is not always the reason why um, you receive the chargeback. So uh, for for whatever reasons, somebody can contact their bank and say, I never made this charge, um, just because they think that that's going to be the way that they're going to be able to file the chargeback. Um, so we see a lot of friendly fraud that use actual um, you know criminal fraud reason codes. Um, for, for those type of things, like Nate mentioned, the VMPI, I think is going to be, is going to be more and more important. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's important to diagnose the sources of chargebacks beyond just the reason codes. Um, because, you know, um, they're, they're not as reliable as we would all like. And I want to complement that by saying that other regions outside of the U.S., they will have even less reliable reason codes when it comes to that, right? So if you look at, uh, at, at uh, Latin America, for instance, and Mexico, uh, you will see that 90-something percent of the reason codes are going to come as the same. So obviously, it's not the same. It's not the same source of chargeback. So I think you're right when you say that we should look at very carefully when it comes to the reason codes, and especially for cross-border orders. Yeah. Um, does chargeback reimbursement really pay the merchant? I think I think what this person was asking was about the um, the, the guarantee program that that you guys have at ShareSale. Yeah, not ShareSale, well, ClearSale. I apologize. Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, this is a common question because sometimes it sounds too good to be true, but but the, the simple answer is yes. I mean. Uh, this is something, um, if you're looking for a chargeback guarantee solution, you got to watch very carefully into, into the terms and conditions and the, the proposal you're receiving from different uh, vendors out there, uh, because there might be like time windows of seven days after receiving chargebacks and stuff like that that is becoming more and more common. Um, but in our case, obviously, we, we have some best practices that we um, ask our merchants to follow. But they do not, uh, you know, stop the reimbursement process. They, they just, they just stand for like best practice. So yes, when it, when we say chargeback guarantee, we are we are referring to the full reimbursement of the transaction. So let's say if it's a five thousand dollars transaction, uh, jewel, whatever, then the five thousand will be reimbursed. That's exactly what it stands for. That sounds like a pretty good deal. OK, 
Okay, this next person asks, what should we collect upfront to use to dispute friendly fraud chargebacks? Um, Nate, I think you, you had a good answer for this. What, um, what should they be? The next few questions and answers were only heard by our attendees. The remaining questions will resume in a moment. We, uh, we laughed at this one. Uh, how can I keep chargebacks to zero? How, how can he, Nate? You can stop taking credit card transactions. Uh, you can close <laughs> your business. I mean, really, you know, ch chargebacks, even though they have a negative connotation, uh, you know, sometimes are a good thing. You know, it's just a cost of doing business and it's completely normal. Um, you know, when you see a big increase in sales or you're having a record month or year, obviously you should be seeing an uptick in your chargebacks as well. So it's completely normal. There's really no real way to mitigate chargebacks. If you clamp down on your fraud rules that Raphael was talking about, um, you know, obviously you're going to see uh, a growing increase of false declines, as he said, or customer insults, as they're also known. Um, and, you know, if you really friendly fraud or chargeback fraud um, is, is nearly impossible to prevent. Yeah. I, I, I'm still in fan. I think we should all go back to the barter economy. Agreed. <laughs> Just straight cash, cash on delivery only. Seashells. Mm-hmm. Okay. How can we prevent friendly fraud chargebacks? This is this is sort of the same, but this is a little more realistic. Um, uh, so you know, there's there's some some common sense steps that you know it seems common sense, but you know sometimes you, you know when you're you're a newer business or you're, you don't really have the time to analyze your chargeback data then, you know, some of these things just don't come to top of mind, um, like customer service, you know, in the days of Amazon and 24 seven customer service, people have come to expect that, that they can call anytime and reach a, a human person, you know, not have to wait, stay on hold for an hour, or, you know, they send an email, and they don't get something back for seven days. You know, all those are going to attribute to chargebacks. It could be something as simple as just your descriptor. Um, you know, we, we, when, when we uh, start working with a new merchant or a customer, we go through an audit, uh, actually of nearly 100 steps, and it's just a checklist to really kind of drill down on their business, because every, everyone's business is different, and we, we, we understand that, um, but we want to do uh, some simple steps to make sure that we are mitigating as much con uh, confusion and just initial kind of simple uh, innocuous chargebacks as possible. Yeah. And, and, and I want to, uh, if I can, I can, I want to add something. Um, the, the other difference between one that I, I, I always like to mention between friendly fraud and this type, these types of chargebacks and the criminal fraud is the skyability, right? So when you're talking about someone just wanting a pair of shoes for free and, and therefore utilizing their own data, they like each person has only uh, limited number of credit cards and, and even more limited number of addresses, phone numbers, etc. Right. So um, the the biggest difference between criminal fraud and friendly fraud, and when it comes to the risk, is uh, the scalability. So if your website is understood by the fraudsters as a website that in which you they can 
utilized and they will take their products and, and, and services back. That's, that's, that's easy. That's an easy side to, to, to make a fraud attempt. Then they will do more and more and then your chargeback uh, rate is going to scale and go up. While the friendly fraud, there is the same, there is the same uh, uh, phenomenon, but with a, a smaller scale. Um, but I want to say that this, these guys talk to each other, right? So as, just as we have our webinars here, then we are always talking, uh, exchanging information. We also know by fact that the fraudsters and, and criminals in general, they will talk to each other. So I think um, both the prevention and the chargeback managing disputing has been, uh, it, it, it's proven that it reduces the, the next month, uh, the next month's chargeback rate because just because it reduces the fraud attempts, right? So if nobody's trying to make that on purpose, then the, you definitely reduce, you reduce the, the, the chargeback rate, including the, the friendly fraud uh, rate. That's, that's, a, that's a very good point. And where, where we see, um, you know, uh, especially in, in the restaurant, um, specifically if your restaurant or your business has not become EMV compliant, and people know that 100% of the time, if they charge something back on a, you know, a, a card present situation where they're not uh, chip and pin or chip and signature, that they 100% are going to get their money back, or they've identified a large merchant that does not dispute any chargebacks, um, and the issuer knows that you know 100% of the time, or I'm sorry, the cardholders in their circle know that 100% of the time, if they uh, initiate a chargeback, they're gonna get their funds back for free or, or get their, their product and their funds back, then obviously there's, uh, you, you have a, a higher liability of abuse. Yeah, P people do really talk too. I, I was actually really surprised. I, I found, um, we, we did an article because we did a deep dive just on Twitter and we, and we found hundreds of examples of people tweeting at each other, talking about things they can get for free you know, order a pizza, charge it back. Uh, you know, I mean, they were just sharing tips and advice on how to how to get things for free and and who who won't dispute chargebacks. And um, so, you know, while the more common version of friendly fraud is is some type of uh, customer merchant dispute, um, you know, there there is the malicious type of friendly fraud out there, and it is um, you increase your liability to it if you're if you're not if you're not careful and and being proactive. Okay. Um, can we predict the risk of chargebacks? Is there any algorithm or calculation that can be done? Um, Rafael, I think when we went through this, you had something on this or something that you wanted to say? Yeah, yeah. So um, ClearSeal has been, uh, has been in the market for uh, more than 15 years. So we work with uh, virtually any, all types of uh, uh, merchant, merchandise online and also some sort of digital goods and, and, and services. And a lot of people keep, ask, keep asking us about which is the riskier business or the less risky. And of course, there, is a lot of, there are a lot of trends, right? So cell phones and jewels are considered riskier than mattresses and, and machines, big machines, whatever. But um, what I like to answer for this question, and I'm glad somebody made, really made that, is, um, that the best predictor is just what I said before. The best predictor for uh, the, the chargeback this month is the chargeback rate last month. 
because if the fraudsters and um, the, the people out there think that it's not possible to to um, to make a fraud in this particular website, they will try somebody else, some somewhere else. For most of these fraudsters, uh, making making a fraud is is their their way of living, right? So they won't just give up. They will, they will try somewhere else, another merchant. So um, even though you can see uh, uh, some trends. And, and the average of chargeback in some regions are larger than the others and some products more higher than the others. What I like to answer is the, 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 the best predictor for the chargeback in a certain merchant is the chargeback rate last month for the, the same merchant because then that, uh, that refers to the, the ability that the, the, the fraudsters have to talk to the other and the network effect. Yeah. And and Raphael, uh, mistake me, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but your system does have, um, you know, a risk algorithm, right? That 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 helps that helps evaluate transactions for, um, um, you know, key indicators of uh, potential fraud, right? Correct. Yeah, correct. So when you go to the the order um, to the order uh, granularity, right? So you want to see the risk of a particular order. Then you have a bunch of information, numerous information and sources of information that you can utilize to predict the risk of this particular order, uh, going from obviously the more traditional ones, matching phone numbers and name and address, et cetera, mm -hmm. to the more you know, new things and, and recent, uh, uh, recent technologies as the biometry, uh, device fingerprinting, IP geolocation and stuff like that. So it's, it's a, a big combination. Clear sales algorithm has more than uh, 300 different variables involved. So, there, yes, there's a lot of information that you can that you can leverage to understand the risk of an order. Um, but if you're trying to look at the risk of immersion, then it's a different story. Yeah. Okay. How has VCR affected the percent of chargebacks? Um, Actually, I, we we just had a conversation about this. Nate, you you had a little bit. You got a little bit of information on this, right? Yeah, I mean, so so far, um, so so uh, chargeback time on one. We finalized our partnership with Visa um, as an official facilitator for merchant uh, the VMPI, which is just one aspect of the Visa claims resolution that came out in late April. So with you know, these are still kind of a, a small subset. Um, obviously, it's, you know, six or seven weeks of data. Uh, we've seen that merchants that have joined VMPI initially have seen about a 15% drop in the number of chargebacks uh, issued. Uh, now, anecdotally, we've heard, and it just depends on your business type too, obviously, if you're digital, um, you know, physical, straight sale, recurring, you know, you, you, you name it. Um, but we've, we've seen a couple things. One, a, a drop in uh, the, uh, the straight count or number of chargebacks. That said, with VCR, we've also heard from merchants that, you know, their window of time that they have to dispute chargebacks has dropped significantly. And so a lot of uh, merchants are running into bandwidth issues, meaning the, you know, looking at your chargeback data, normalizing that data, identifying which chargebacks are illegitimate or which ones that you would actually want to represent. That time window has 
uh, has been, you know, drastically uh, shortened. And so some merchants, uh, if they don't have the bandwidth or they don't work with a third party or use some type of technology solution to help them out, maybe they're still working from an Excel spreadsheet, um, the, the number, the percentage of chargebacks that they uh, actually have a window of time enough to dispute has dropped as well. So they're still running up against chargeback issues. Yeah, I, I I think it's a little bit early. I I went I talked to the uh, people up in operations, and I I think I heard the same thing. The people that were using VMPI, and then um, a couple of other um, specific clients that had um, uh, you know a very specific type of chargeback liability, um, we're definitely seeing reduction. I don't know um, if if anybody has an estimation across the board. Um, this is actually kind of exciting. Um, we are in the process of putting together a study on VMPI, sort of a, um, you know, a, a merchant survey, sort of post-mortem study um, to, uh, you know, really answer a lot of these questions to see to see what the individual uh, merchant experience has been with VMPI. Um, so that'll be out hopefully in a couple of months. So, um, you know, just stay on our mailing list. And then as soon as it's ready, we'll We'll invite you um, to, so to review stay it. Stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. And, and definitely we need uh, your, your opinion. So when you receive the email um, to participate in the survey, you know, please, please, uh, please share your experience with us so that we can take that into account. Um, this next one is how do you confirm friendly fraud? So I... I think I have kind of an answer, but I, what would what would you say, Nate? How, what's what? How do you know if it's a friendly fraud chargeback or if it's a something you did or if it's a uh, somebody stole a credit card? Well, you know, sometimes it's it's very easy and blatant. Um, you know, the person goes on Facebook, takes a picture with their new TV, and is like, "Hey, I charged this back and got it for free." Um, and you know, other times it's it's much more difficult. And so, really, what it comes down to, and and we've developed a system. We we call it um, intelligence source detection, and it's it, it's a mix of algorithms uh, looking at your your gateway data and your CRM data, your order management history. Um, supplement that with some other data sources that we have: your email age, your IP, your device. Um, but basically, you want to look in, in short. If, if somebody has ordered and the AVS is correct and they've ordered the same thing from you in the past, it's the same credit card, same uh, fulfillment, same shipping, and then they come on this, you know, the seventh order in a row and they tell their banks that it's fraud, you know, then that's a telltale sign that this is, uh, that would actually be more chargeback fraud than friendly fraud. Yeah. So, yeah, it's tricky. Um, the best answer I like is call chargebacks 911. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's time consuming. I mean, we, we, it's, it's not all too uncommon to talk to a merchant who has one to a team of people dedicated to this. Um, so, so, you know, even though chargebacks only make up about a, a percent of your, uh, you know, of your transactions at the end of the year, that, that percent really does add up. And so, you know, how do you, how do you claw that back? You know, the good news with, with um, uh, friendly fraud is that, you can claw some of that back. You know, it's, 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 not, it's not dead and gone. If you can prove that this was friendly fraud, you can get those funds back through the dispute process. It's just very time consuming. And then on top of that, there's a level of anxiety that some merchants have with, um, as Raphael mentioned, doing a customer insult on the front where potentially 
you decline a good order, uh, they don't want to uh, represent an actual, um, a, a, a real chargeback where they were in the wrong. So they want to go through it with a fine tooth comb and make sure that, um, you know, the person, uh, you know, is, is really um, innocent until proven guilty. Yep. Uh, next question is, how can we analyze the chargeback pattern to prevent future fraud? Um, Nate, you and Raphael were having a conversation about this. Um, what a, what's the best way to, to, to utilize that information? I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure Raphael and, and especially the account managers on his team are feverishly uh, soliciting for chargeback data. Uh, you know, what, one of the biggest issues or, uh, yeah, I guess issues that the merchants have is just interpreting their chargeback data. Uh, and, and then on top of that, it's just downloading or normalizing your chargeback data across all your different uh, merchant acquiring solutions. So, so, you know, first and foremost is you definitely want to feed, you want to use your chargeback data as a feedback loop. And you want to get that into your fraud prevention system. And then I'll, I'll kick it over to Raphael to kind of get into maybe some more low level on that. Oh, sure. I, and I think you hit nail on the head when you said about the importance of, um, of uh, letting the, the algorithms and the system know about a chargeback. And, and you would be surprised how many merchants, when they have clear sales solutions, a uh, solution that doesn't have the, the chargeback guarantee, uh, sometimes they take longer time and even do not um, notify the chargebacks to the system and to us, right? So um, one of the advantages actually of the chargeback reimbursement feature that we uh, brought to the market like in the early 2000s was that people started taking it very as seriously as us, right? So feeding back the system, et cetera, and um, when it comes to predict and to try to find patterns, the only thing I want to add is um, to say like how hard it is, right? So when you look at the chargebacks and try to find um, to find the patterns, uh, when it comes to patterns, you go back to the sample size, right? So uh, how many chargebacks do you have in a certain region for you to say that this region is less or, or more riskier than the other? Um, so. It's it's a it's a it's a hard job. Clearsale has like 50 data scientists working on that 24 hours a day um, to build those patterns and find those variables, and um, it's hard. But the, the the starting point for sure is is analytically uh, comparing the the chargebacks versus the good orders, and that only happens when you when you fill the chargeback notifications into the system. Yep. Um, this one's kind of a weird one. Is it necessary to put language in the contract about chargebacks? Um, Nate, you and Raphael said said no, right? I mean, you know, there's there's uh, there's there's many ways to skin a cat, as they say. Some people, you know, especially if your business is just not that susceptible to chargebacks. Say you are at you know a tenth of a percent for chargebacks and you don't have a lot of criminal fraud or friendly fraud, then maybe it's not worth your time to put something in there. Maybe you would want to be more uh, pragmatic 
and just make sure that your terms and conditions are putting you in the best possible uh, or most uh, opportunistic to, uh, to uh, represent or to dispute illegitimate chargebacks. But, you know, that said, we, there's some corner cases where we run into merchants who absolutely do that. They're just more susceptible to friendly fraud, chargeback fraud, chargebacks in general. And maybe, uh, I think, Jared, the, the example that you said was maybe something in like dating or gaming um, where you might want to put something on there that says, hey, if you have a chargeback or two, you're going to be, you know, the um the coins that you had in your world of warcraft game will be deleted or you will be booted from the dating environment you know something along those lines yeah yeah i mean i think the challenge is um that you would need some way some enforcement mechanism so so i don't know you know if if you if you're running a community if people are using um you know your your store and they are uh you know you know, you're buying some stuff and charging some stuff back, but but not other stuff. I mean, you could you could block that person, put it in their contract that they, that if they do that, um, you know, they won't be allowed access. I mean, uh, Amazon just kind of did that with the return fraud uh, uh, people that were doing stuff like that. So so in those kind of cases, yeah, maybe there is. Um, you'd probably want to talk to an attorney and try to figure that out. But 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 no, you can't, you can't say you know. Um, hey, I'm selling you this blue shirt, and here, sign this contract that says that you're not going to be able to charge back because that's not. I mean, that just doesn't even make any sense. Um, uh, right. the, the only other fringe case would be if it was really, really high ticket items. So you're selling cars <laughs> on a, a um, credit card. Uh, somebody files a chargeback. You might want to have some language in there that that explicitly prohibits them. But again, this would be something that you would bring to an attorney. And there's very, very few use cases that that any of us can imagine or have ever seen. So. And if you do have a specific case that you know your your business you're you're entertaining that idea, um, you know, feel free to ping myself or Jared after this, and we can get you in touch with somebody on our team, uh, maybe compliance or operations, quality assurance, something like that, that would be um, more in the know or a better. A better resource than myself. Yeah. Okay. All right, uh, Raphael. This one is this one is just right up your alley. I think you had some really great stats and insight on this one. So um, I'm gonna, I'm going to let you close it out. Uh, what's what's the forecast for the fraud rates in Mexico and uh, Latin America? Well, um, I'm I'm interested to understand why they highlighted Mexico among the, the region just because, and, and I have a clue, uh, I have my, my theories because it, it's becoming worse and worse, right? So Mexican, Mexico is one of the markets in Latin America that is growing the faster, um, like two digits, 20 plus percent every year, the e-commerce uh, uh, market in Mexico. And along with that, the chargeback rates are, are increasing a lot. So. Uh, we are talking about an average chargeback rate in Mexico of 1.6%, according to CyberSource uh, report for Latin America. Wow. Uh, why, yeah, while the average in the region is in the low 1%. So, so even so even yeah. sorry, so is that 1.6%? Is that is that uh, yeah. because of criminal like uh, stolen credit cards? People people scam. Correct. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's a combination of of factors that make this situation special. Uh, uh, especially risky for Mexico has to do with the, how hard it is to get a credit card over there and, and you know, the small number of 
uh, uh, consumers that are actually trusting the 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 e-commerce as a as a channel uh, for for sales, and that explains also the the fast uh, growing uh, process because like they are still uh, the penetration of uh, internet is still very uh, small into into the this market. But what surprises me the most and 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 probably will shock you out too is uh, yes, there's a lot of chargebacks 1.6, and more surprising than that is the average decline rate, meaning the number of orders that are uh, order attempts, people that click and buy, and then are declined because of uh, fraud filters. And the same report says that uh, this average is 14%. So we are talking about um, almost 15% of the the fraud the the order attempts turning to being declined because of fear of fraud. So I don't believe that 14% of the orders are fraud attempts. So definitely we are talking about a lot of false declines. So Latin America and, and those numbers I brought are for Mexico, but Latin America and Mexico as a whole is a very risky market. But at the same time, there's a huge opportunity when it comes to uh, a merchant that does that very well because it makes it does make the customer experience uh, much better and can be even a competitive advantage in a, in a market that averages 14% in, 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 in decline. If you approve your order, you're already one step ahead. So um, I'm, I'm happy to provide more details about uh, any country in Latin America uh, if, if the person that made the question reach out to us. But the situation is I, I don't see a forecast of this reducing in the short term. So I see that it's going to be the same in the next year or so. Okay. Um, okay. So with that, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. I'm going to put uh, Raphael and my emails up. Um, I don't think I can get Nate's email up, um, but it's n.foss at chargebacks911. Um, and then here's Here's our email. So if you guys want to uh, take these down, if you have any specific questions, or if uh, you'd like uh, either of us to put you in touch with uh, somebody to kind of, um, you know, walk through our solution, uh, just just uh, shoot us shoot us an email. Oh, we got something. Uh, okay, I think I think we're pretty pretty much at an hour, so let's just go ahead and call it there. I really appreciate everybody joining us today. Um, you know, I know Thursday's end of the end of the week. You you start to run into a crunch, so um, that you guys could be here uh, really means a lot. And uh, if you have any suggestions about things that we could cover in future webinars, uh, please send me an email. I'm always open to to hear those suggestions. So um, thank you, thank you guys. Thanks everyone. Thanks for the questions. Thanks, Raphael. Thank you all. It was a pleasure.